all that you heard today, uh, these reports, videos, testimonies, uh, were just about some of the local work that we're doing right here, right here locally. And uh, to meet people who have medical needs and who are hungry and need food and clothing, those who are struggling, uh, they're coming here and we got a chance to, to connect with them and that's part of our mission. And I uh, appreciate that last song. So you're going to hear in the weeks to come things that we're doing on an extended basis and then ultimately internationally. Uh, so uh, I hope that you'll just pray and continue to listen with, uh, with ears to hear what God's Spirit might be saying to you about getting more involved in some of these areas missionally. I invite you to open your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 28. These are some very familiar verses to us. Uh, they're known as the Great Commission. Uh, they're Jesus' last words to his leadership team. And, and uh, some, of you, some of you know these verses. Um, I, don't, I don't know when I memorized the Great Commission. I, I, don't, I don't even remember when it was, but I know it. So one of those of you who know this, and if you don't know it, you can follow along in your Bibles. But why don't you recite it with me? Will you do that? Jesus said, all, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth, and therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always even unto the end of this age. That is the Great Commission. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you that you're a missional God, that you sent your Son to us, lost, without any hope in our sins. We're thankful for the partnership of the Holy Spirit, how you spoke to us and brought us to an awareness that we needed you and we needed to be saved. And so, God, we pray that through this word and through the weeks to come that you would make us missional people, just as you sent. Lord, so we have been sent. And we pray that we will sin, and we will go and obey and do all that you have commanded us to do through your word. Speak to us and encourage us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is saying to his guys in the Great Commission, the father told me, son, you have all authority. You have all authority in heaven. You have all authority on the earth. I am giving it to you. The word all authority, exegusia, which means absolute, total power, total authority, total rule, Son, I'm, I'm giving it, I'm entrusting all of that authority to you because I have an assignment for you. I want you to go on mission, an assignment to take on human form, to be born in human likeness, and to go to, to the people of the earth. I'm going to send you to represent me, and I'm giving you all authority to do just that. It's all yours, all of my authority. And that's what Jesus did, isn't it? And when Jesus was finished, remember one of the last 
Words on the cross, it's finished, Father, into thy hand I commend my spirit. And he died and he was buried and he was raised on the third day. Again, demonstrating his authority. He had authority over nature. He could still the storms, calm the seas. He had nature over all manner of disease. He had nature or full authority over all demons. Even had authority over death. All authority. And having defeated sin and death for us on the cross... You remember he's put together a leadership team, a group of disciples, and, and so having completed his mission, now he assigns the mission to them. He says, brothers, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go. Just as I have been sent, I'm sending you. I want you to go, and I want you to make disciples, make disciples of all the nations and baptize them, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them everything that I've taught you for obedience. Now, some of your Bibles may say, translate it like this, teaching them to observe. Anybody see that? Teaching them to observe all things. Well, I don't think it's as clear as the translations that say, teach them to obey. There's a difference between observing something and obeying something. Teach them to obey all of this. And this is your mission, brothers, should you choose to accept it. And then there was some music. This is your mission, should you choose to accept it. They were to be on mission. Now, I want to propose to you some things to you this morning. The mission that he extended to and extended assigned to his disciples, and it's also a mission assigned to us, which we'll look at a little bit more in just a moment. That mission to make disciples is inseparable from his, the call to follow Jesus. It's inseparable from a call to be saved. A call to be saved, a call to be the disciples of Christ is synonymous with living on mission to make other disciples. Now, if you think about all of the things that we heard about today, food and clothing and medical care and connecting with students on Blue Mountain College and um, the first choice ministry, ministering to young women who are in crisis and need, all of those things are ultimately just one, to love them and just to care and extend the love of God to them, but all of it is for the purpose of reaching them with the gospel, to make disciples of all of these folks. And so, having looked at that Great Commission, let me walk through it with you this morning and just make a a few comments very quickly. First, this mission, if you'll notice, is rooted in and upon Jesus' last words. He's telling his guys to make disciples. And I want to point out that his very first words to his disciples were also his last words. You remember? What was the first thing he said? Follow me, and I will make you what? Fishers of men. Follow me, and I will teach you, I'll equip you on how to fish, how to reach men, men and women with the gospel. Same thing, first words, last words. Make disciples, reach others. So the Bible from the very beginning to the end makes it clear that God has called unto himself a people, a people for his own purpose. His first words are synonymous with his last words. And the purpose of this mission, the purpose of making disciples, is for his glory. 
All of this, all that we do is for his glory, to make his glory known. In Genesis chapter 12, if you have your Bible, I invite you to go back with me. But in Genesis chapter 12, we have this calling of this, of this brother named Abram. And so in Genesis chapter 12, and by the way, we'll look at this in some previous, or some upcoming weeks. In Genesis chapter 11 is when God confounds the, the languages of all the, of the people on the earth, right? So there was one common language, and contrary to what you might hear in classes about languages and ethnic groups, the Bible says that God is the one who created the different languages, and God is the one who established all these ethnic groups throughout the, throughout the world, on the globe. And I'll come back to that in a few weeks ahead when we talk about more in depth about witnessing in the nations. And, but here in Genesis 12, right after that, God calls, God calls Abram, and if you have your Bible, I invite you to read it with me. Now the Lord said to Abram, he personally speaks, personally calls him. I want you to get out of your country. I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your family and leave, get out from your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. In you, all nations of the earth shall be blessed. So all the families, all the nations, all the people groups of the earth will be blessed. That they might know God. I'm going to, Abraham, I'm going to call you, send you out, follow me. And through you, I'm going to work. So that all of these people will know me and will worship me and bring me glory. It sounds exactly, Genesis chapter 12, the calling of Abram is identical to the Great Commission. Go, that's a participle, go, as you go, as you go make disciples, baptize uh, to the ends of the earth, to, to reach the nations. That's exactly what you see in Genesis 12. It's never changed. Go, leave, go out, go out. And I would say this also, sometimes we as a church have a come and see mentality Right? We want them to come to church, come and see, be a part, and that's a good thing. But more than come and see, we're told to go out and call and compel and teach and win and reach. And so some of us need to think more and be more intentional about that. But it's the theme of the Bible. The supreme interest of God is for his name to receive glory. For his name to be praised and honored and exalted and magnified among all peoples, all peoples of the earth. From Genesis to Revelation, God has established a people unto himself for the praise of his glory. Isaiah says, bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory. Isaiah 49 says of Israel, you are my servant Israel in whom I will be glorified. Jeremiah 13, 11, I made the whole house of Israel, the whole house of Judah cling to me that they might be for me a people, a name, a praise, and a glory. 
Psalm 106, God saved his people out of Egyptian slavery. And God says he did that for his name's sake to make himself known. Exodus 14, 4, and all Israel will know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh. And on and on and on throughout the Old Testament, probably hundreds and hundreds of verses all about God's glory. The Psalms are full of the psalmist saying all that he says and teaching all for the glory of God. Jesus said in John 7, 18, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent me is true. He told you and I in the Sermon on the Mount to do good works. Do you remember why? So that men may see your good works and do what? Give glory to our God. Jesus said regarding prayer, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus in Gethsemane, when he finished praying, he said, but for this purpose I have come to this hour, Father, glorify your name. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to bring glory to Jesus, to bring honor and praise to him. God instructs us to do everything that we do for his glory. We are to serve in ways that glorify him. If you think about the very root, the very basis of the gospel, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and have failed, have fallen short of what? Bringing glory to God. Bringing glory to God. You know the common denominator of all sin? It hinders us from bringing glory to God. Some of you have learned in some catechisms the chief end of man is what? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The chief end of man, glorify God and enjoy him forever. And likewise, what is the chief end of God? What's God's chief end? Well, God's chief end, the thing that he's more passionate about than anything. Does Jesus love the world? Does he love you? Yeah, but there's something he's more passionate about than that. The chief end of God is to glorify himself, to bring glory and honor and praise unto his name forever and ever and ever. We are to make disciples those who will bring him glory, who will honor God. Next, consider to whom does Jesus assign this mission to? Missionaries? Just missionaries? No, it's assigned to all of us. Every follower of Jesus Christ has been assigned this mission. Every follower. Every one of us have been called to live on mission. All of us are called to be disciple makers where we witness, we witness, and we talk, and we share, and we demonstrate through our lives and our actions. We, we try to love people and share with people, looking for opportunities to talk and connect in order to win them with Christ and so we can baptize them and so we can teach them Christ's commands. All of us have been assigned that task. That's our mission. Every Christian is on mission. And consider the methodology of the mission. The methodology, methodology of the mission is you and me. 
through his people. The part of the, the command there is not go, the command, that's the part of it. As you go, it could be translated, as you live naturally, just as you live naturally every day, make disciples. Make disciples. We're worshipers. It's how we live. And, and as we do, Jesus is to flow out of us. You, you remember going through this series of messages about Ruth? You remember Boaz and Ruth after they, he redeemed her and they became intimate and the result was what? A little baby boy named Obed. Right? Obed came out of he was the fruit of the intimacy of that marriage. And likewise, when you and I are intimate with Jesus, worshiping him and abiding in him and in his word, he promised there'll be fruit. You remember John 15? If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Could be translated, if you are intimate with me, intimate with me through my word, then you will bear fruit. Why? So that my father is glorified. You are God's methodology. You're his tool. You're his instrument to make disciples, to bring him glory. Consider the scope of the mission. It's to all nations. Pantata ethnes is the word. To the nations. To all ethnic groups. To all distinct people groups on the earth. Missiologists tell us there's over 16,000 different pantata ethnes, nations, people groups, ethnic groups on the earth. And do you know you know what the world's population is today? I think they say it's being added to about 350,000 a day. It's a lot of babies. <laughs> Seven and a half billion people on the earth today. Do you know that one third, one third have never heard the name of Jesus still today? 2.5 billion people still have never heard the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Still over 6,000 people groups who are unreached. What does it mean to be an unreached people group? Well, it means then less than 2% of the people that are living there are Christian. And then that means of those 6,000 who are unreached, less than 2% Christian, another 3,000, half of those are unengaged unreached people groups, which means there's no Christian witness. Nothing. No, no Bible, no radio broadcast, no Christian publishing house, no literature, no tracts, no churches. And we'll look at this in a few weeks. What happens to them when they die? What happens to men and women today on the earth who have never heard the name of Jesus when they die? The Bible's pretty clear. And we'll look at that as we go through this in the next several weeks. Hillcrest, as we live, as we go, as we worship, Jesus is to flow out of us towards all peoples, starting right here where we are, every person that we come into contact. You remember Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power, and you don't do witnessing, to be witnesses. That's our identity. That's who we are. We're witnesses of the Lord. We are disciples who are striving to make disciples. And so he says, where do you start? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He's, the point is, you start where you are. 
Start where you are, New Albany, Mississippi, or cotton plant, or wall. I just, I'm hearing all the, just you know, start where you are, right? Witnesses, disciples who are making disciples for his glory. And the content, the curriculum of the mission is prescribed to us. It's the Bible. It's the word of God teaching them to obey all of my commands, looking for opportunities to share the gospel. You see, your effectiveness and my effectiveness, effectiveness as a disciple to make disciples, bringing glory to God, largely depends on knowing the word. Can't teach somebody something you don't know. The Holy Spirit can't bring back to your remembrance or your memory things you need to share if you never learned anything. We need to be students of the word. You remember Paul says to Timothy, he's real clear, he says, Timothy, study. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needeth not to be ashamed, but one who rightly cuts, rightly divides the word of truth. We need to know the word. And consider that this mission is community-based, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It was never God's plan, never God's intention that any of his people, any of his disciples live unto themselves to be isolated disciples. Isolated disciples. Rather, every follower of Jesus is to be baptized, immersed, uh, baptizo, immersed, to dunk, to dip into the body of Christ. You don't want to, when somebody stands there and is, is baptized in that pool, they are personally declaring something about themselves, right? They're saying that from this point on, I'm going to live for Christ. I'm dying to self, dying to the old life, raised to live new life in Christ. But it's more than that. It's also a way that they publicly identify with this community of faith. I'm being baptized. And 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says one of the first official acts of the Holy Spirit when we get saved is the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ in community. And so not only is that an individual event, but it's also a corporate event where we witness that baptism and we affirm it and we say, yes, come on in. Come into the family. Come into the body of Christ here. And so the idea, the plan is that God intends for all disciples to be baptized into community, to be connected in the body of Christ. So many, so many today, Christians, especially in the U.S., who just think about the Christian life as being something independent, just something personal just to them, and, and they, they just kind of live private, independent Christian lives. You know anybody like that? That's totally foreign to anything you see in the Bible. Every one of us as disciples are to be connected in community, in community, and all kinds of reasons for that, for encouragement and support, relationships, right? We're connected with each other, right? First Corinthians 12, all of us connect together and work together, do all these different ministries and things and get connected in Sunday school classes, and not be just, just any just necessary virgin, just going to Sunday school. But the Sunday school is where you connect with people and get to know them. And you minister to them, and they get to know you, and they minister to you. And too many independent 
Christians. I don't need them. I don't need them. I'm fine. And what you're also saying is, they don't need me. Need to be connected in community. That's God's plan. And I want to finally point out this is a not only mission, but it's a co, a co-mission. It's a great commission, but it's a co-mission because Jesus promised. What? I am with you always, even to the close, the end of this age. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit to indwell us and to guide us and to fill us and to empower us, to be his disciple makers, to be his witnesses. It's, he's with us. Your people pray sometimes, oh, Lord, be with me today. You never have to pray that prayer. I would say it's wrong, but you never have to invite the Lord Jesus through the Holy Spirit to be with you. He's with you. He's indwelling you. You're not going to shake him off. If you've been saved, genuinely saved, the Holy Spirit is indwelling you, and he's with you always. Now, you may need to pray, Lord, help me to recognize your presence, but you don't have to ask him to be with you. He's with you. <laughs> always, always, always. So let me close with just a, some way to application for this to help us to be a little more um, fruitful, a little more successful in this. And if you notice in verse 16 of the text, when does Jesus appear to these disciples and give them this commission? Well, it's after he's been raised from the dead. It's his post-resurrection appearance. And the Bible says in verse 16, prior to this, when Jesus appears to the disciples, it says, some of them worshipped. Some of them worshipped. They humbly fell at his feet in adoration, in praise, and worship. And so the context of this is rooted in worship. All fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, as well as the fruit of reproduction, thus reaching other people, flows out of the context of worshiping Jesus, being intimate with Jesus. That's where the fruit comes from. Worshiping Him in spirit and truth, in the Word, under the leadership, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit, there's where the fruit comes from. This mission that you and I have is a great mission. It's a great co-mission. And the life and the power, the energy, all of it comes from worship in the Spirit, through the, His Word. It fuels and empowers everything we do. Listen, I, I, I would say um, individual worship, your intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the week is what's going to determine fruit. When we gather together, I believe corporate worship empowers the church. It's the fuel where we gather together and we worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this morning, closing. Is, would you say that your life is fueled by worship? What do you do? What are you going to do tomorrow to worship the Lord? You know, listen to some radio broadcasts on the way to work. You know, get some music. Get your mind set on the Lord in his word, time with him in his word. What are you going to do Monday through next week to worship the Lord? Is your life being fueled by worship? And then second, as we think about this mission, how are you, how are you fulfilling that call to make disciples? What are you doing to try to connect with people through the, through the gospel? Any intentionality? Are you intentional? Well, I'll tell you, just on Sunday, November 21st, we're going to make a pretty strong ask, a pretty strong ask, and ask you to con connect here, to get involved in some of these 
mission things you've heard today, and you're going to hear about more opportunities as we go through this month. This is just, a, just the beginning. You're going to be asked to make a commitment to get more involved and to pray, to intercede, and also, as I've already mentioned, to invest, to give, to give sacrificially, to give where it costs, it's costly. And let me tell you something about that that I've learned over the years. When you, if you really pray and seek the Lord about what he was going to put on your heart to give financially, the Spirit's going to lead you to, to give sacrificially, and the flesh is going to resist it. Oh, I can't do that. I, can, I can't give that. It's a few years ago, Minnie and I were sitting in the back of a church service, and there was this uh, brother who came in, and, and he did some music, and he... Uh, he shared some things and knew some things about him, knew he was struggling. And I'll never forget, I was, and we had little kids. <laughs> I remember we had a, just starting out, a bunch of little kids, and I remember sitting there in the back of the church, and they were going to take up a love offering for that brother, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, I want you to give a, a month's salary to him. And, <laughs> What? <laughs> And that thought wouldn't go away. I want you to give a month's salary. And into that service, I was kind of reluctant to share that with Mindy. <laughs> and I said, I, I said, hey, I need to share something with you. I feel like we're supposed to give a month's salary. His name was David Derry, or uh, David Derryberry's brother. Kevin. Kevin, Kevin Derryberry. And she said, well, if that's what you feel like we should do, then then God will provide. We'll figure out how to, how to get through the month. And so we wrote him a check and gave him a, a month's salary. And the Spirit will call you to give and sacrifice, and the flesh will resist it. Amen? And so I want you to pray, and I want you to prepare, I want you to be involved, I want you to intercede. I uh, was reading this week at the end of... Uh, going through Jeremiah 33 and several times it said in Jeremiah 32 and 33 is anything too hard for the Lord is anything too hard for the Lord and he says call upon me and ask of me if see if I will not do great and wondrous and mighty things for you let me pray with you Father we thank